All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Good to see all of you this morning. We've been in 2 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians for a little while. And in both of those letters, we're finding the Apostle Paul has been painting a picture of a Christian. And what a Christian should look like, a portrait. And today he's just going to add to that painting of a Christian living in a dying world. That's what we saw Paul addressing some 2,000 years ago in Corinth. And today we see that in our world. Our world is dying and passing away. And you and I are living in that world. And there's some things that we should be doing while we are living and remaining here. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, so, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 is where we will begin. And I wanted to add a little bit more to the introduction before we read. Um, in that painting, we see this person who is able somehow to look beyond today. I, I titled this message, Word for the Day. But this person that Paul describes and paints a picture of is someone who is beyond that, who, who can look past that, even though he's living in the here and the now. He, he understands that there is something waiting for him. He understands that he's suffering while he lives here in this dying world, but he knows beyond there is a great reward, a greater benefit to following after Christ. It talks about that in chapter 4 where it mentions us undergoing a light affliction, but at the same time we see this far exceeding glory. fix that, don't we? <laughs> well, maybe it went off while it was in my pocket. We'll see. We'll try it again. So he sees this light at the end of the tunnel. He has this flame in his heart. He has an understanding of what the future holds for him. And yet at the same time, he's supposed to live here and he's supposed to maintain and he's supposed to do things here. Because There we go. Now we're back in business. The devil's trying hard to distract me this morning, isn't he? Okay. There are some things that we do as Christians. We look forward. We live with a flame in our heart. We're motivated by two things that we find in chapter 5. Verse 11 says we're motivated by the fear of the Lord. We have an honor and respect for God that the world does not have. Verse 14 says we're motivated by the love of Christ. It controls us. With those two motivating factors, then you and I are to branch out and do and become the people that God wants us to be. As I said, our audience changes. Before you were in Christ, the world was your audience. You drew attention to yourself. You performed in front of the world. The world was attracted to you. 
could be pride, could be arrogance, could be many factors, but you were uh, working and looking for the world to give you attention. When you became a Christian, all of a sudden that audience changed and now you have an audience of one. You are living and working and trying to please Him, right? You don't care what the world thinks anymore. That's what we're supposed to live like. We don't care what the world thinks of us as Christians. We want to win them to Christ. We want to, uh, them to become Christian. We want to live in front of them in a perfect way if possible. But we are not concerned about what they think about us. We are concerned about what He thinks about us. And as we live in that world with that audience of one, then the world becomes attracted to us. So... Let's read a little more about how Paul paints a picture of the Christian. Chapter 5, verse 18. Let's stand together now. We're back in a groove. Here we go. Verse 18. Now all these things are from God. What things? Verse 17 says, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Now behold, all things become new. Verse 18, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And working together with Him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Father, bless us with your word today. And Father, teach us from it. Show us the urgency in the moment that we live. Show us the world and those people in it that you have called to your kingdom. Lord, send us to them. Give us the words of reconciliation. Give us the word of the day, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. In that description of a Christian living in a dying world, we understand that there were many pronouns that we just read. Us, we, and you. Okay? And so that includes every one of us in this room. Us, we, and you. This is not for preachers only. This is not for deacons only. This is not for an evangelist only. Speaking this word of reconciliation, it is for us, we, and you. All right? So all of us here in this room today are in the middle of this text. Okay? I want to make sure we start there with that understanding that we have. There's five elements that we find in this text. I want to cover all five of those, at least the five that I discovered. And so, number one is this. The word that we are to use or speak today is originated in God. God originated this word. You did not come up with the plan. You did not come up with the word. But you have been privileged to share this word with the lost and a dying world. You have been privileged to 
deliver this reconciling message that God wants the world to hear. Here it is in a sentence or so. God desires that sinful, hurting, isolated, alienated people would turn to Him. That is the word of reconciliation. Sometimes when we want to share the gospel with people, we want to put in the judgment to come. And listen, that's important. But here Paul doesn't include that in this word of reconciliation. Paul just talks about a man turning back to God to be reconciled with God. He doesn't talk about wrath. He doesn't talk about the fires of hell to come. He doesn't talk about judgment. He just talks about the message that you and I are to deliver. Hey, sometimes a person must understand there's a judgment to come before they'll pay attention to the Savior. Sometimes you need to know you're a sinner before you can repent of your sin. And that's all part of the gospel presentation. But here Paul uses another approach to it. Maybe it's one you might be interested in, in sharing with someone. A good person, so to speak. To say, hey, you need to be reconciled with God. You need to be turning back to God. This is the message that Paul is expressing to you and I today that we need to share with people This message originated with God. It's not Brother Clay telling you this message. This is God telling you this message. Us, we, and you. This is the message that we could share with people to get their attention, to turn them back to the Lord. God desires for sinful man to return to Him. Now, when we share this message, why do I have the... uh, privilege to share this message well because i have personally experienced it you have credibility in the people you talk to to share this message because you have personally experienced it and we call that a personal testimony amen you have a story to share i have a story to share We all have a story to share. You say, oh, I wish my story was like yours. And I say, I wish my story was like yours. But none of our stories are the same. And it's supposed to be like that. You think your story is not important because it's not dramatic or it's not uh, world-reaching or worldwide or or world-changing. Your story is a simple story of you understanding your separation from God and that you knew you needed Him in your life. And so you surrendered yourself to the Lord Jesus and you turned to Him. And by His grace, He has saved you. Man, you can't get a more beautiful story than that. You think your story is not important? Then God wouldn't have asked you to share it in our text right here. He wouldn't have asked you to say and tell your story If it wasn't valuable to him, if it was not important to him, you have credibility to do so. This is God's doing, not ours. Look at a few verses from the book of Romans with me that gives us credibility to share the story. 
For while we were still hopeless, or helpless, I'm sorry, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay? Man, that tells us that we were ungodly without Christ. Here's another one, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates His love, or His own love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now we're ungodly sinners in the eyes of God. Right? Before we came to Christ. Here's one more. Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Now we're ungodly sinners and enemies. We have credibility to share the gospel. Because all of us in this room were that. Sinning, ungodly enemies of God. And yet, God moved towards you. And God moved towards me. And God moving towards men all over our Aaron Springs and Lindsay and Garvin County. God's moving towards them. He wants to save them. He's wanting them to be reconciled to Himself. He's given us credibility to share this message. It all originated with God. It was initiated by God as He moved towards us. We had this personal experience of reconciliation. Now, our responsibility in that story. Well, God gave us this story. He trusts you to share it. You are now, according to our text, an ambassador for Christ. God expects you to share that story. If you're not sharing that story, then you're making the grace of God placed on you an empty grace. A vain grace. A hollow grace. If you are not sharing that story of redemption that you received from this almighty, all-loving, all-forgiving God. God believes in you. No matter what the world may think about you, God believes in you. You are accountable to Him. You are accountable. You have a responsibility to Him to share this story. From the youngest of you to the oldest of you. Why is that important that you share your story? Well, let me just make a prediction right here. I would say, living in your home, there is not a worldwide evangelist. Anybody got a worldwide evangelist living in your home? I I didn't think so. Maybe where you go to work, there's not a world-famous evangelist. Where you're working today, there's not a world-famous evangelist working there. Anybody? No. Here at the Aaron Springs School, do we have a world-famous evangelical teacher working in our Aaron Springs School that could lead all of the students to Christ? Of course we don't. So God gave you a story and put you in a home and you in a workplace and you in a school because He needs His story told. There's no world-famous evangelist among us. But God has a story about His reconciliation with men seated all across this auditorium today. And He's asking you to share it. You have credibility because you've experienced it yourself. You have responsibility because you are accountable 
to your King and to your God. And He's asking you today to share that story. Wow, what a great responsibility we have. This story originated with God. The second element I want to share with you is this. This Word is God's message. It's not your message. It's not my message. It's His message. We find that in the fact that He wants to reconcile with man. He wants to save them from judgment to come. He wants to restore them. He wants to renew them. Man was made for this relationship with God. He made us for it. How do I know that? Because I go back to the beginning of the Bible and I see Adam standing in the garden. Okay? And I see God, as it describes, him walking with Adam in the garden. Face to face, right? Face to face. This relationship man has with God. Face to face in the Garden of Eden. And then one day, sin came into the picture. And what happened to the man? The man turned his back on his God. Okay? God's still facing the man, but now man has turned his back on God. And so what God does from the Genesis chapter 3 all the way through to the end, He is pursuing this man who has his back turned to Him. And when Jesus hung on the cross, God, because of the sin on His Son, turned His back to the man. He could not look on the sin that was placed upon His Human son. Now they're back to back. Then three days later, God raised that son from the tomb. And the Bible says that when Jesus was crucified those three days before, something happened in the temple. In the Holy of Holies, what happened there? The veil was torn in two. This veil that separated a man and his God was now removed. And God turned his face back to man. Amen. 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 And now God's been pursuing you in this room. All God is asking is that you would stop and turn around and face him face to face again and be reconciled. That's the message. That's what God wants you to share that we are broken, we are undone, we have turned our back on God. We cannot hear Him, we cannot see Him, we're not interested in Him. But if we would stop and turn around, we would find Him. He's pursuing us. That's the message God wants you to share. Yeah, there's wrath involved and there's judgment involved. But don't steer somebody off into the hell with that approach necessarily use the approach perhaps of being reconciled with God and escaping that judgment and escaping that wrath that is to come. What a great picture God gave us in this message that He wants to reconcile man to man. We were made for that relationship. Whether I'm in a good relationship with God or I'm in a bad one, I'm made for that relationship. Okay? 
I want it to be a good one. We, we strive to, to uh, live that kind of life that it is a good relationship, a good fellowship with God. Some days we mess up. Some days we break down. And that fellowship is uh, separated, but the relationship is always there. We are reconciled with Him, and God wants us to fix that. Being reconciled with God is His message. The third thing I want you to see is that this message is to be lived out and told by God's people. Verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God is calling out to the world through you for them to be reconciled to God. You and I have the authority to speak this message of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are His representatives. Wherever we go, whenever we go, and to whomever we go, we are representing Jesus Christ. You might be a good representative and you might be a lousy one. But wherever you go, you are one. You are representing Him fully and healthily, or you are representing Him poorly and causing more damage than good. Listen, that's what the Lord wants us to address in our own life. We need to have a passionate concern for the people that are around us. Not a half-hearted commitment to Him, but we appeal to them and we are burdened for them. Listen, I get into a state of mind sometimes that I don't care about other people. I'm having enough, exactly right, Preston. I have enough trouble of my own. I don't need to care about other people. I don't need to worry about other people. And God immediately straightens me out. He says, you better be concerned. You better care. I've called you into service. Us, we, and you into service to care about those people, to be burdened for those people, to cry tears for those people, to humbly commit myself to those people so that they can be reconciled to God. We are to live that message. We are to speak that message. Amen. Number four, the point I want to make is this. The word results in an incredible exchange. Right? When a person is reconciled to God, what happens to them? There's a list a mile long. I'll speak a few of them. Our sin for His righteousness. That's an exchange. My sin is given. His righteousness is received. Hallelujah for that. God's wrath, God's wrath on me has now been exchanged for God's mercy upon me. My slavery to sin has now been exchanged for my freedom from sin. I'm no longer a slave to the sin that I was living under. I am free from that. And that has happened at an incredible exchange in my life and yours. Our alienation from God is exchanged for our alignment to God. I go from being forsaken to being forgiven. When Jesus hung on that cross that day, He cried out as His Father turned His back. He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus 
cried out to God, asking, why have you turned your back on me? He knew the sin of the world was placed upon him and his father couldn't look upon that. He was separated from God for that moment, for that moment of death, for that moment until he was raised, being separated from his father. And guess what? He did this willingly. He did it willingly for you and for I, for us, for we and for you and, uh, and we. He united himself with us in his separation so that he could lead us in his salvation. This word is to be lived out by God's people. It creates an incredible exchange in the person who receives that word. Paul writes to us here painting this picture of a Christian, the last thing that I want to say is this. Unfortunately, we have breaks in our chapters and verses in our Bible. When Paul wrote this letter, there was no break between chapter 5 and chapter 6. There was no uh, punctuation necessarily. That was all added later. So we sometimes break the flow of this story at verse 21. And then we take a breath, and then we read chapter 6, and we pick it up in verse 1, and we think that the whole uh, uh, plot has changed. The whole idea of the text has changed. It's not that way. This chapter 6 is a continuation of chapter 5. All right? For some reason, our church fathers decided to put chapter 6 right there. Uh, and it's not that it's horrible, and it, but it's certainly not that it's beneficial to us. We have to understand what, what is going on. Let's read verse 1 and 2. This word is the good news. This word, the good news, is to be communicated with confidence and it must be communicated with urgency. Verse 1, and working together with Him. Who is that? You and I working together with God. Right? And working together with Him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Stop and look at me. Don't read anymore. Stop right here. Look at me. What is He saying there? He's saying this, that you are an ambassador for Christ. And you're supposed to be telling this story, your story, to people. And if you don't do it, you're a walking contradiction. Because you're taking the grace that has been given you and you're not passing it on to others. You are holding it in. You're being selfish with the salvation of God. You are making His grace empty. It is not to be hoarded. It is to be shared. It is to be expressed. And so Paul says, working with God, don't Receive the grace that God gave you in vain, being empty. Now let's go on. For he says in verse 2, For he says, At the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. We use this text so many times in the wrong way. We use this text to try to lead somebody to Christ. We say, today is the day for you to be saved. Now is the acceptable time for you to be saved. Hey, and it, makes, it can make sense like that. And we use it that way. Why? Because we put a break between chapter 5 and chapter 6. We, we, we shift gears. We change our thought process. 
Well, there's not a break. There's not a thought process change. Paul is saying to you and us and we, you don't receive the grace of God in vain. You don't make it an empty grace. You're working with God. Now, here's what God says to you. Because in the day, verse 2, and at the acceptable time, I listened to you. When you were calling out to God to save you, he listened. Okay? That's what he's saying there. When you were calling out to me to save you, I listened to you. All right? The second part of verse 2. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. God said, look what I've done for you. Look what I have accomplished for you. Look what I saved you from. Look how I helped you along the way. Look at all the things that I've done for you. And you're going to keep your mouth shut? You're not going to tell people about me? You're not going to express God's salvation and reconciliation to others in your life that I have led you to? When it was your turn, I listened to you. When it was your day to be saved, I saved you. But now you're being quiet. You're taking my grace and you're making it empty. You're making it hollow. You're making it in vain. This is what God is saying to us, church. It's not about somebody being saved here at the acceptable time and the acceptable day of salvation. It's about you and I doing it. It's about you and I taking the message of reconciliation to the world. Okay? He says, behold, now is the acceptable time. When I put somebody in front of you, now is the time for you to tell your story. I've made a divine appointment. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of my testimony. Don't be ashamed of what the Lord's Lord's done for you, Clay. When I bring that person to you, now is the acceptable time. Right? That's what he's telling us here. Let's go on. And behold, now is the day of salvation for this person. When I bring them to you, I'm expecting you to work with me at an acceptable time and the day of their salvation. Because I listened to you in your past and I saved you when you called out to me. Now you do the same. Wow, what a great story that is. Man, that's, that's awakening to us, isn't it? How many times have we thought that was about leading somebody to Christ when God is talking about leading ourselves to be committed to Him? That this is the day, this is the time, and this is the moment. Wow. Don't squander your opportunities. Refusing to speak God's grace makes it null and void in your life. When you stop, when you refuse, and listen, we all do it. I'm not trying to shame any of you. I'm I'm with you. But I don't want to be that anymore. When an opportunity comes my way, I'm going to speak it. I want to stand up and say it. I want to be known as somebody, if you don't want to hear about Jesus, you better not talk to that guy. I want to be somebody that speaks Him day in and day out. 
I want people to know that I love Him. I want people to know what He's done for me. I want people to be saved. I want somebody who's looking to be saved to come look me up. That's what I would like. God will do that. He'll bring them to you. You don't have to go looking for them. That's what God is asking us to do. Allow God's grace in our life to be full. It is what it is. God saves and God sustains. God's character has been given to you. God's wisdom, God's power, God's confidence has been given to us so that we might speak this word of reconciliation. If you do not speak it, then you are a walking contradiction. Amen. Amen? Think about it. God wants us to be this type of person. God says, I listen to you. Now is the time, and today is the day. Speak the word. Speak the word of reconciliation. Nothing about judgment. Nothing about wrath. Did we find here? In our text, anyway. Sure, that's a part of it. But the beginning process is just showing that person how his back has been turned to God. And he can turn back to God face to face and be reconciled with a loving and caring God. That's the message we have to give. That's the message we have to tell. That's the message we must tell. Amen? Think of it. Oh, Brother Clay, I got people that wouldn't like that message, that would be offended by it. Good. Offend them. Offend them. The Bible says that there's going to be people that stumble over Jesus. They're offended by Him. They stumble over Him. What do we do when we stumble over something? Do we just pick ourselves up and then we just keep going? All of us turn around and look. What tripped me? When somebody's offended by Jesus, they're going to look at Him. They're going to investigate. They're going to consider. I hope my family is offended by Him. I want them to be. If they're never offended by Him, they'll go into hell. Not ever realizing who He is. What He's done. What He can do for them. People must hear the good news. You and I are ambassadors for Christ. Guess what? If you're a Christian, you cannot shuck that title. You're stuck with it. It is you. And it will be you till you go in the grave. And either you're a great ambassador for Him, or you are a poor ambassador for Him. But you are one. So don't try to shuck the responsibility. Humble yourself. Take up your cross. Follow Christ. Share the story of reconciliation with God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this message, Lord, that you gave us today. And I pray, Father, that you speak to every heart in this room. Lord, that we see the urgency of the moment. As we get older, Lord, we're not going to have a lot of time left to share a message. Some of us are very close to our end. Some of us have many years to go. Whatever the case may be, don't let us be lazy, Lord. 
let us, let us consider the grace that you've given and the mercy you have extended to us. And let us make sure that all the people in our family and circle of life at least hear and have opportunity to turn to you. I know, Father, all of them will not. I know that you know who will. I pray that you give us boldness of speech and you prepare our heart. Lord, and you give us eyes to see like you see. I also ask a request of you, Lord, that you would allow every person here who is committed to you to see your grace with their eyes, to see your mercy extended to the people they talk to, at least to one person. Lord, let them celebrate and rejoice because you have broken through and caused someone to be reconciled with you by their effort, by their story. Let each person here experience that, God, and lead someone to you. I pray that now in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.